in swimming, the difference between a gold medal and a bronze medal is one one twentieth of a second. And it's not about physical ability. It's found in your mindset. Hello, people. Welcome to the community of the Growth Mindset Podcast. Guys, if you are a first-time listener, don't forget to subscribe on whichever platform you're listening from so that you don't miss on more interesting episodes coming up in following weeks. And for our daily listeners, here we are again with a new episode where we will interview another interesting personality from a unique industry and understand how they were able to accomplish this great level of success. So, let the growth begin. Dawson, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the Growth Mindset Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Ishad, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So, uh, Mr. Dawson, for people, for listeners, basically, who are based out of India today, my listeners, uh, and for people who may not have come across your work today, would you like to tell my listeners uh, your quick uh, background, where you're from, and what exactly you do? Sure. I live in Northern California. I'm English, and I moved here when I was to the US when I was a kid. And I've always been intrigued by personal growth. And initially, it was trying to extricate myself from my own suffering. I was just anxious and depressed. I was suicidal when I was a teenager. And so when I was 15 years old, I went and joined an ashram. And I wanted to learn spirituality. I wanted to learn the mystical experience. I wanted to learn about elevated emotional states. But... Um, it was difficult to meditate. It was difficult to do all the healing that they were doing. And I learned a lot of psychology then later on in life. And then I wound up becoming really intrigued by the idea of energy. Now, in India, that idea has been around for a long, long time with Ayurveda and yoga and other disciplines. But in the West, uh, it's a very mechanistic society, materialistic society. And there isn't the awareness of energy as an operative force. But... If you look at the research now in the last 20 years using MRIs, EEGs, genes, and so on, that energy healing, energy therapy can have a profound effect on the body and on your external world as well. So I began to study this. I began to write books around about around 1998, 1999, 2000, and really get deep into this whole uh, discipline and then do a lot of research. So at this point, I've been involved in over 100 clinical trials. If you go to my website, EF Universe, you'll find over 100 studies there. And what we're finding is, Irshad, not that just that these things work, but the degree to which they work is extraordinary. And I'll give you just one example, and there are many, many examples. And I'll mention some of the research here later on. But in one meta-analysis of energy psychology, and using energy methods to affect psychological problems, in this case, PTSD, and so many people are stressed. And these were studies of people who were traumatically stressed. They were having nightmares. They were having flashbacks. They were having intrusive thoughts with ideas and, and concepts and images coming to their minds that were disturbing. They didn't want to have come into their mind. It was coming to their thoughts, intrusive thoughts. So people with psychological trauma. And in this meta-analysis, the researchers measured the effectiveness of energy therapies on a scale that goes from two to eight. So two means your therapy shows an effect. Mm. Five is your therapy has a moderate effect. Eight means your therapy has a strong effect. So think of it in terms of a drug. The drug might have a very mild effect. 
a drug might cure you. So it's two to five to an eight. On that spectrum, this meta-analysis of trials of energy psychology for traumatic stress, it's number two, five, eight. On that scale, it was 29. <laughs> wow. It all the judge. Some of these therapies are amazing. You know, pain, anxiety, depression, and it's remarkable what these therapies can do. So that's my current area of study, and especially the genetics of this, something in, in your gene, genes, in your hormones, in your brain, in your energy field. Hmm, interesting. And, and in your book, you talk a lot about psychology, mind, uh, neurology, and you've done all of this, right? You're obviously, and on a regular basis, you're doing multiple research. Now, I want to start off with the basic as to what exactly is brain first? Like, what is brain and what is mind? What are these two things? How would you define it? How would you explain this to us? Yeah, very good question there, Sean. And brain and mind. And we've been trying to figure this out for a long time. Since the ancient Greeks and Romans, people have been trying to address this this, this question. A lot of ancient, ancient um, languages, too, didn't have clear concepts that distinguished the two. And so uh, the traditional or conventional way of thinking about it is that our brains evolved over a period of 400 million years, and they become more and more complex. At some point, they gave rise to this thing called consciousness and mind. So we look at a, a worm with uh, maybe a 28-celled worm with a, a tiny little bit of neural tissue. It has nothing we would call the mind. But then, you know, if you look at a mouse or a cat or a raccoon or a small mammal, they clearly have some ability that we, we would recognize as mind. So the conventional idea is that as my, as brains became more and more complicated in evolutionary terms, eventually they gave rise to this thing called consciousness. And mm. we can now measure the mind. And there is absolutely no scientific proof for that theory. Instead, there's a lot of scientific evidence that our brains are more like radio receivers. So right now, you're watching this podcast using your smartphone, using your maybe your laptop, maybe using your tablet device, and you don't think seriously that Irshad and Dawson are inside your smartphone, that your smartphone is receiving the signal invisibly, wirelessly, from somewhere else, that your smartphone has the ability to be a transducer of information from this invisible energy field into your device where you can witness it. Our brains work the same way, and the evidence is that we're literally downloading information from massive global cosmic energy fields, and then we're using that information to construct what we think of as external objective reality. So um, the brain is a transducer of enormous, complex, multifaceted energy fields outside the body, outside the head, outside the limits of our human form, into what we can understand and what we think of as our objective reality. Hmm, okay. And what can people do to make sure that they take care of their brains or, let's say, minds? Like, what are the first steps? What should we focus on to make sure we are always taking care of these two? Because it all starts from here, right? So how do we take care? What are, what are your tips for us? I strongly advocate daily meditation. I think the daily meditation practice is, is the fundamental of well-being. Uh, in one study of Tibetan monks, the researchers found that those with a lot of meditation practice, their 
main age was 10 years younger than their chronological age. Now, these are really interesting studies. They look at the difference between biological age and chronological age. So we'll find somebody, for example, uh, there are a lot of studies of identical twins, and these are twins that have the same genome, the egg splits at conception, and these two people are born with exactly the same genes. And you would expect they would have very similar lives, they probably get the same diseases, probably live the same length of time. None of that is true. One will get heart disease, and the other won't. One will get cancer, the other won't. On average, they die more than 10 years apart. Why this big divergence when they are born with the same genome? And a lot of the reason is how they're transducing those energy fields, what they're doing with their brains. And you want to take care of your brain, because if you take care of your brain, and especially if you fill your brain with positive ideas, it is dramatically different in terms of your health outcomes. One study done uh, about six months ago, remarkable study looked at Alzheimer's patients. And in Alzheimer's, there are these deposits on the brain of these substances called beta amyloid plaques. And these plaques are like, they're like chewing gum. They build up on your neural bundles and they stop signaling your brain. You start to forget people and places. Eventually you forget how to function and you die. So Alzheimer's, there's a progressive accumulation of these beta amyloid plaques in the brain. And what these researchers found using advanced scanners was they looked at all the different factors that influenced the accumulation of Alzheimer's plaques in the brain. Was it smoking? Was it diet? Was it lifestyle? Was it exercise? Was it they looked at socioeconomic status? All these things. The number one influence of brain health, of the accumulation of beta amyloid plaques, was thinking. People with mm. negative thinking had more beta amyloid plaques in their brain, and the effect scaled up. The more negative thinking they did, the greater and faster the accumulation of Alzheimer's plaques in the brain. So uh, when we take care of our minds, we take care of our brains, we take care of our brains, we take care of our, our bodies. Our bodies don't break down in the same way. That's why those twins, born with exactly the same genes, die more than 10 years apart, depending largely on mindset and the use of their minds. So positive thinking is dramatically influential over your health and lifespan. Health span, lifespan, how long you live, how healthy you are, how many healthy years you have. You That negative thought you have, when you have one strong negative thought, you drive your cortisol high, you drive your immune system low, and your body starts to suffer. So taking care of your thinking is taking care of your brain, taking care of your body, and taking care of your long-term health. Mm, interesting. Now, doesn't we understand that a lot of people may are not even aware of the thoughts that come into their brain? We don't have control over, let's say, are you going to think positive? Are you going to think negative? Some people just, you know, get, let's say, get lost in the past and, and just, you know, bring those memories up. For some reason, they may be, you know, stuck or people are not even aware at times as to why they are being negative. But are there any practical tips that you have on top of your mind that you think my listeners can do or implement in life so that they realize that, yes, they're thinking negatively right now and uh, they could move away from being thinking negative to thinking positive? Well, 
a lot of people who try meditate, for example, or who try energy therapies, but they try meditate, they sit down with their eyes closed, and they close their eyes and immediately their minds are flooded with thoughts. We call that monkey mind. And there are about 8 million pieces of information every second flowing through your optic nerve into your occipital cortex at the back of your brain. Close your eyes, cut off the flow of information, and the mind is then flooded with thoughts. A big study done with more than 200,000 people at Harvard University found that 47% of our thinking is negative thinking. And we can't fix it because our brains evolved to be negative. Our brains evolved. Our, in fact, the reason that, Irshad, you're there, and I'm here, you're in Bangalore, I'm in California, the reason we are in existence is our ancestors were extremely good. They were cha- they were gold champion negative thinkers. I mean, <laughs> your ancestors and my ancestors, 100,000 years ago, maybe we were on the uh, plains of Africa, and if our ancestors were obsessive and paranoid and looking around them all the time for the bad stuff, if they noticed, the, I mean, if they noticed the tiger in the grass, they lived. If they failed to notice that, they died. If they were positive thinkers, if you noticed the wonderful scent of the flower or you ate mindfully and tasted your food mindfully, that didn't help you survive. But noticing threats and bad things helped us survive. So now, those that were a little bit better at noticing threats, who are a little more paranoid than their other tribes people, members, they noticed the tiger in the grass a second before the mm. next person, and then they ran earlier, and they survived and passed those genes, fast-acting stress genes onto their children. In the next generation, whoever had the fastest-acting stress genes passed those genes along, those that had slow-acting stress genes, the nice, happy, relaxed people. <laughs> True. So now we are, after thousands of generations, we only exist because our ancestors are pretty good at being stressed. And now, of course, all of that high cortisol, high adrenaline is not helping us at all. Research shows that high mm. cortisol correlates with loss of muscle mass, loss of bone density, memory loss, all kinds of bad things, lowered immunity. I mean, cortisol, when cortisol goes up, immune antibodies go down. When cortisol goes down, immune antibodies go up. It's it's a seesaw effect. And so it is absolutely essential to learn this. But we are negative thinking thinkers because that's the way we evolved. And it's very, very hard to change the brain's basic orientation Hmm. to negative thinking. That's why it takes persistence. You have to just focus on it day after day, after day, fail over and over and over again. But if you keep on paying attention to the good, and one way to do it is to savor the good for a few moments. Because of neural plasticity, if I, for example, uh, savor my food, I've learned to really enjoy my my food. So I, I take that bite of food, and I, I love that, that mango tastes so rich. I, I, I extract a bit of pleasure from that mango. If I do it for 20 seconds, I begin to spark a little bit of neural growth in that appreciation pleasure circuit. Then I do it again, and I spark more. So over time, those circuits grow. And what we find in the brains are, for example, monks and nuns who spend a lot of time in contemplation, in uh, prayer, in meditation, is that all of the self-centered parts of their brains start to drop in activity 
And all the parts of their brains to do with happiness start to increase in, in intensity when they meditate. And one of the remarkable pieces of information in my book, This Brain, the research shows that their happiness levels rise, but we measure this certain brain wave called gamma, which is a really good indication of how happy you are. If you have lots of gamma, you're really happy. And also you have, you're really smart. If you have a little bit of gamma, then you aren't as happy and your intelligence is impacted, is, is affected by that. So gamma is a, a proxy wave in the brain for integrative information and happiness. And the brains of these monks start producing 25 times the amount of gamma as the average person when they're in these states. They aren't twice as happy or three times as happy. They are 25 times as happy. So with wow. practice, meditative practice, you can learn to be dramatically happier than you are today. Interesting. And then we're talking about waves, right? Uh, I, I know a few waves, maybe alpha, uh, beta, and gamma. I don't know. I, this is what I've learned so far. But which are the brains that are uh, that basically have a profound impact on our brains? And how can we make sure that we channel those kind of waves, you know, brain waves that we have? How can we do that? Yeah, and these are trainable. Now, we didn't know they were trainable uh, hmm. 25 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. We thought you had to go to a monastery and live a, a life of renunciation and spend at least 10,000 hours in meditation and learning the scriptures and the holy spiritual traditions that had people spend you know, 10, 20, 30 years in these states. And eventually they would, they would, they would retrain their brains. Now with MRIs and EEGs, we can guide people into this space in a short amount of time. I, I do seven-day retreats with people, and we will hook people up to an EEG the first day and the last day of the retreat. And one lady began the retreat, and she was not doing very well in her life. She had a lot of stress. She had a lot of um, external problems with her marriage and her money and things like that the first day of the retreat. And so she couldn't acquire those elevated brain states very easily. It took her a long time to get to that kind of state and meditate and drop into a deep deep space. But by the seventh day, we were measuring everyone again. So the first day takes taking people, those that even get there at all, it's taking us 15, 20 minutes to bring them to the state with a very scientifically crafted blend of meditative techniques. The last day of the retreat, seven days later, she closed her eyes and it took her 47 seconds to enter wow. a full-blown mystical experience. That's what we can do now with modern scientific instrumentation. We can guide people into these states, not in, in 50 years, not in 10,000 hours. We can guide them there in seven days. And so we, we've had, you know, since my book, This Brain, was published last year, we've had thousands of people who've used the meditations in the book, and they have sent us little email paragraphs or a few lines saying, I closed my eyes, I tried these seven steps. We had one woman called Tony Tomlinson, and she wrote into him, she said, I just want to share this with you. I've tried to meditate, I've tried every other method, I've always failed. So I sat down to use your method, but my self-talk was, Tony, you failed at everything else, you'll fail at this too, you're way too stressed, your cortisol is high, you're burned out on parenting, burned out on a stressful life, there's no way this little simple meditation will work for you. 
And she said, I just began to follow the seven steps. And by step three, tears of bliss were, were coming, were running down my cheeks. And I was in that ecstatic state I'd longed for so many years. Now I will do this every day. So we're seeing uh, just huge numbers of people now meditating every day because with a neuroscience-based approach, like the Tony Tomlinson, it gets you there quickly. And then in the middle part of this brain, I talk about the neurochemistry of this and just how good these kinds of neurochemicals like serotonin, like dopamine, like anandamide, like oxytocin feel in your body. I was on a call today with some people in our training program, and this one woman said, Dorsa, I'm using the meditations. I'm seeing hallucinations. Hmm. I'm seeing faces, like angelic faces in my mind. I'm hallucinating during the meditation. And that is serotonin. That's a lot of serotonin. There's serotonin kicking in. Because serotonin has the same molecular structure as psilocybin, magic mushrooms. So when you stimulate a lot of serotonin in the brain, the serotonin docks with the same receptor sites as psilocybin. And so people start to have psilocybin-like hallucinations when they do the meditation. Dopamine, you get a big dose of dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, beta endorphin, all of these neurochemicals in your brain. And Irshad, you are just spaced out in bliss. <laughs> Interesting. That sounds, that sounds it's really wonderful. amazing. It feels I mean, great. Yeah. And let's say if you had to give, I know you have seven different steps in your book, but let's say if you had to give uh, two or three tips that my listeners can practice at home, which maybe they could try it even like while listening to this or maybe after once they finish this, if you have to give two or three steps that you think are, are very crucial, at least to make that foundation well, uh, what those two or three steps would be, uh, Dawson? Yeah, well, well, to start to shift your neural function and build those pleasurable circuits, it's important to not be emotionally reactive. If you have emotional reactivity, if somebody, if somebody in your family says something and you respond with irritation, um, that's emotional reactivity. If you have to send, send in a long line, a long queue, uh, at a bank, if you, if the bus is late, if you, whatever, it happens around you. If you're reacting emotionally, then you again have all those negative emotions, negative thinking. It's affecting your brain. It's affecting your life. So it's important to practice things that produce emotional regulation. Emotional regulation is the foundation of happiness. And one mm. simple way to do it, one of the simple techniques I, I teach, one of those seven steps is to relax your tongue on the floor of your mouth. Because there's a nerve that runs through the center of your tongue called the hypoglossal nerve. It hooks up to the vagus nerve in the back of your head. And then the vagus nerve goes all over your body, your digestive tract, your heart, your lungs, your liver, your spleen. They're all linked by the vagus nerve. And when the vagus nerve tells you to relax, the whole body relaxes. And when you, when you use the, the tongue, when you soften your tongue, relax your tongue, that hypoglossal nerve sends that relaxation message to the vagus nerve. So you can try it right now. Just I mean, just try relaxing your tongue totally and thinking about something that annoys you and try and get upset, but keep your tongue relaxed. And you can't get upset with your relaxed tongue. I can't. I'm just trying to do that. <laughs> That's one of the seven steps. And Irshad, they're, they're that simple. 
but they produce profound changes in brain function. Hmm. Okay. I also believe that you have some practical methods for uh, also making sure that people can uh, avoid stress as well. This is one that you mentioned, all right, resting your tongue. But I also believe you also have some uh, touch point wherein, you know, you, you touch or let's say uh, help people identify that there are certain spots that need to touch in, in, in parts of their body which can help them relax. Do you Can you share a few tips which can help people do that? Yeah, and in uh, our trainings, we train people in active pressure which is like acupuncture, but it uses pressure on the body. And we apply pressure by tapping on the major energy meridians, the spleen meridian, bladder meridian, gallbladder meridian, liver meridian, and so on. And so uh, we, we have people tap. And again, you simply, in fact, you can try this right now. Think about something that happened in the last two or three weeks that produced an emotional charge for you. You have trouble regulating your emotions. You think about a news story you saw or a, a, a word somebody said and produces emotional charge for you and if you measure your charge you aren't neutral or zero maybe you're a five or a six or a seven maybe you're even 10 out of 10 in terms of being charged around that thing that upset you in the last couple of weeks and so you think about your emotional charge and then think about that thing get your level of charge are you a five a four a seven a nine get your number get the thing and then just try this simple exercise so so think right now as you're listening think about the thing that bothered you mm-hmm. you see you've okay. got one there shot yes okay and what number are you uh eight eight and give me just a one word title for this thing name for this, this event sales that's great. You know, so, uh, that's all you know. Sales, one word, you're an eight. And where in your body do you feel the eight? In the head? Where in your head? It's, uh, here actually. Yeah. Okay. So right behind your eyebrows. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening now, just again, think of one word. Identify where in your body it is and you give yourself a number. And now just try tapping on each of these acupuncture points. And this is the first one on the side of the hand. So mm-hmm. here shall just tap like this. Okay. So right now tap with, with, with three fingers. Yeah. Okay. On the side of your, uh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Do it a okay. few times. Mm-hmm. And even though you had this problem with sales, you survived. Mm-hmm. Here we are today. Mm-hmm. It, didn't, it didn't kill you. Mm-hmm. You survived. Wasn't a tiger. <laughs> you made it through. Yeah. Tapping. Now tap like this on the top of your head. So tap up, follow me over here and tap on top of your head like this, right right on the very top of your head. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah, tap over there. Keep tapping. Sales. And again, if you're listening to this, tap on whatever bothers you. You have your number, you have your issue. 
sales. You know, there's on top of here where your eyebrow meets the bridge of your nose with two fingers. So take two fingers mm -hmm. like this and tap right over here. Okay. Where your eyebrow meets your nose. Yep, right mm -hmm. over there. So tap there. Notice your breathing, feel your breath, feel your body. Keep your eyes open. Sales. Think about the event. Okay, now tap here on the side of your eye with two fingers. So tap right here on the side of your eye. Mm -hmm. Different acupuncture point. This is the gallbladder meridian in mm -hmm. acupuncture charts. Notice your breathing. See if you're tense anywhere and relax. You're thinking about sales. You're thinking about the bad things that have happened. Okay, now tap under the pupil of your eye. So right below the pupil of your eye. Mm -hmm. Tap there. And Irshad, tap a little bit faster. There we go. Yeah. Sales. Just thinking about that event. So you're safe now. It wasn't a tiger. It didn't eat you. It did happen. It wasn't good. It makes you feel bad. It makes you feel stressed. But you're safe. And all we're doing is we're just telling the body that this wasn't a tiger, that we are safe, and we're reinforcing it by changing our energy system. And if I had you in an EEG right now, you'd be seeing a lot of activity in your brain, and your brain would be calming down. Now tap underneath your nose, right over here. That's your governing meridian in acupuncture. Sales. Bad things happen sometimes. And you're safe at the moment. And again, this is resetting all the meridians in your body. And this really, we find calms the emotional part of the brain. Okay, then the second last place we tap is over here on the end of the collarbone. Sales. An annoying event. Stressful event. Okay, then one last time, 10 centimeters below your armpit on the side of your mm -hmm. body. That's the spleen meridian. These are all like little reset points on the energy body, on the energy system. You can actually use acupuncture on them, but acupressure like this works well too. Thinking about sales, what annoys you. And then tap one more time over here on the side of your hand. So even though you had that annoying event, you were an eight. Wasn't a real tiger. Didn't eat you. You're safe now. Then stop tapping. Take a breath.
tune back into the event and tell me your new score. So focus on your physical sensations. What is your amount of emotional triggering now on a scale of 0 to 10? I would say it's around 6. 6, okay. 5 or 6. 5 or 6. I went from an 8 to a 5 or a 6. That's, that's, that's good. <laughs> good. Yeah. That's good. I think you, just keep, you might need to do that three or four more times on tapping at all the points. You'll, you'll find your numbers will come down. Exactly. Interesting. And then I also noticed while I was doing this, I was actually very calm. I, I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's just put everything aside and let's just focus on what you're doing. I was noticing the breathe, like when you said, you know, focus on how you're breathing. That kind of actually made me realize more that I was maybe breathing faster, but then I was like, okay, let's calm down. And that is when I felt, okay, now things are calming down. Pretty interesting. The reason I ask you this is because I'm going to, while people, you know, after they listen to this, once they listen to this, they can at least go back and listen to our exercise like we just did and then practice this themselves so they can understand like how this can actually help them so if they want to break out of any past traumas or any anything that is bothering them, this would make sure that you know, they can come out of this and practice them more and more forward, moving forward so that they could break those patterns. And as I saw right off the bat, and we are doing a live, right? So it's difficult. We are doing it this through, uh, uh, let's say, uh, technology and stuff. So it's difficult. But imagine if this was in person, somebody doing it. That would have been a total whole blown experience. And since you do a retreat, around those nature it's gonna be even amazing i mean <laughs> people are gonna people are gonna go bonkers once 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 they go out on a retreat with you guys then yeah it's powerful and we've done this now with over twenty thousand veterans wow. in the u.s we've also done it we have projects in rwanda uh, one young lady called grace was in an orphanage in rwanda and when she was five years old in 1994 her parents were killed in the genocide in rwanda and she'd had nightmares, she'd had flashbacks. She was, uh, a lot of these traumatized children in these orphanages in Rwanda, uh, even 20, 25 years later, they're still, they still have severe PTSD. And we, we had a, a, a volunteer team in there. They taught Grace and other people in the orphanage how to tap. And Grace's nightmares went away. Her flashbacks went away. And she actually wound up leaving the orphanage and uh, starting a shop. She started her own shop selling um, food, groceries, and other things, and has become a successful businesswoman since that. So there are so many people, thousands of people all over the world who have used it in traumatic situations. I mean, that's obviously extreme, the Rwandan genocide, but uh, we have people used for test anxiety. We have a lot of school children use it. We have people in prison using it. We have people in uh, high-performance sports using it. In the last Olympics, there were several members of several Olympic teams who were sitting there, standing there, <laughs> waiting to compete. Mm-hmm. I told you the story before we came, before we began recording about uh, my friend Catherine Garceau, who was an Olympic swimmer, and I was asking her about using this. She said, Dawson, in swimming, the difference between a gold medal and a bronze medal is one one twentieth of a second. And it's not about physical ability. It's that one twentieth of the second is found in your mindset. And so she uses this to release all of that stress and tension. So EFT is, and tapping is used in all of those kinds of places to release stress. And, and also, I believe, uh, you know, uh, 
from the multiple books that I've read and you know multiple people that I've interacted over the podcast, uh, I've also realized by talking to a lot of psychologists as well that when you wake up, you are uh, you know like like you're operating in in alpha waves. You have all of those alpha waves yes. at peak of your performance state at that uh, specific uh, point of time. What do you think people should be doing so that they could start their day right to make sure that they they can get the best out of the day as well as they're also being on the nice track? Meditate first before you do anything else and mm-hmm. definitely before you look at your phone. Like <laughs> your attention is the most precious thing you have. It is your mindset. And who are you going to allow to determine your mindset? Are you going to allow um, the, the Times of India to determine your mindset? Are you going to listen to the BBC and let the BBC decide what kind of day you have? Are you going to tune in to some podcast or some broadcast? that is just a random information that is coming through your device. You want to be deliberate and conscious about filling your mind with positive ideas and thoughts. So you wake up in the morning, and the first thing you do while you have lots of alpha... Now, again, when we are waking up, we're moving from slow brain waves, delta and theta, alpha, a little bit faster, into beta, normal waking consciousness. And then when we're in elevated emotional states, we're in gamma. But in the morning, you've been, your brain's been in, slow brain waves, delta and theta all night. It's moving into alpha. And if at that moment you can meditate, you then drop back into delta and theta. Mm-hmm. And delta and theta are profoundly healing waves. Those cycles are responsible for stimulating the growth of stem cells in your body. They lengthen your telomeres. They reduce your cortisol. They do all kinds of neural remodeling in your brain, like like making the myelin sheaths around your neurons stronger and make the installation around your neurons more active. So there are all kinds of benefits that flow from doing first thing in the morning. So you have this thing called attention. We call it paying attention. It is a currency treasure. If you are paying attention to the good, the kind, compassionate, love, joy, gratitude, wake up and just give thanks for all, for being just the sheer wonder of being alive. You don't have to be in any great um, kind of material benefit. These monks and nuns, they have nothing, and they wake up, and they're in bliss. So go into bliss immediately on, on waking. What that then does is gives you a frame through which you view reality the entire day. You're now taking this transceiver of your mind, transceiver of your mind, and you are tuning it to that, that, that field of love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and creativity. You're having that increase in gamma, 25-fold increase in gamma in those months. And you are then translating that into everyday reality. Like I had a thought um, about a certain uh, project a few months ago, and I just shared it with uh, one or two people on my team. Uh, they shared it with, um, with, with with each other. And we, we decided to do this little, little project. This, this project was the last a few days. And so we had this idea, this creative idea. We shared it. We got highly creative in that gamma, creative, integrative, happy state. And we just built out this little, 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 like three or four day project. Um, we then shared it with our marketing team. We have a marketing team we work with. And, and the team was, Oh no, that one doesn't make any sense. They weren't on the same mm-hmm. wavelength with us. They didn't think it was going to work. And they, they were, they poured cold water over our idea. <laughs> so we went back to our, uh, our, our first group of people who said, I'm so sorry, we can't do this. 
And this this little little team of people said, well, we think it's a brilliant idea. We mutiny. We're going to do it anyway. So they did. So we, we did this little, this little thing over the course of the last few days. And we made $104,000. That's amazing. This little, this little thing we did made $104,000 in income in about five days. And um, did, was, did, it wasn't, wasn't rational and logical. It was just imagination. It was creativity. Albert Einstein said that every great creative idea in science is the result of an intuitive mystical insight. He said, I mm-hmm. wrestled with the ideas of this mathematics of relativity for four years. And I was so frustrated and so blocked. And one night, I had a dream. And I simply saw the theory of relativity in my dream. It took me another two years to go work on all the mathematics of it. But he said, every great creative idea comes in those elevated mental and emotional states. So pay attention. Put yourself there the first thing every morning. And that then frames your day. You'll have those $100,000 ideas. Maybe you'll have $500 ideas. Or maybe you'll have $1,000 ideas. But your whole life changes. You know, I'll have an idea. I'll think to myself, you know, there's a nice thing I can say to my wife that I didn't think about saying to her before. I'm just going to do something nice for my wife. Like, and in fact, this happened this last this last month. It was Valentine's Day in the U.S. And I, I was in a different city. I couldn't be with her. And I just got this little creative idea. What could I do that would really make a difference for her for Valentine's Day? And I did that thing. And it worked. So. In your relationships, for your body, your health, you'll get insights about your well-being and your whole life starts to change when you pay attention and you tune in to those elevated emotional and spiritual states and pay attention to what's eternal and enduring and real there and not be distracted by all the chatter and all the fluff. In the Upanishads, they call those that the foam on top of the ocean. It's just the foam that blows away one day, it gets replaced the next day. That news cycle and all those events, those random thoughts, they're there today. The foam blows away. It's gone tomorrow. So focus on the ocean. Focus on the depths. Focus on your well-being. And that's what you do the first part of the day. And then you move into your day where that is the frame for your whole life. Interesting. And a lot of people may not even know your story, Dawson. I, I read your book. I was reading your book. And that's when I came to know about you actually going through... Uh, a very unfortunate but also a life-changing experience i would say wherein a lot of things i've seen that you've done amazing after that would you like to share exactly what happened? i don't want to spill the beans i want you to basically tell uh what exactly <laughs> happened uh that night yeah that's probably a good, good way to end up with it just by sharing my story and, and how this was a chance to put all my uh practices meditation tapping and other stress reduction practices in practice and it was uh it began as an ordinary night. My wife and I went to sleep, and then she woke me up and said, something's really wrong. I looked at the alarm clock, and it said 12.45 a.m., and I looked out the window. I was still just waking up in a deep sleep, and I saw a glow outside the window. So I walked over to the window, and I looked outside, and there was a wildfire racing down the hill opposite our our home toward us and i just told her we're getting out of here right now we literally ran through the house grabbed our car keys ran to the car and as we ran to the car the the world was crazy there were all these embers cinders that were blowing around us squirting around us 
but it was like walking through snow with all this white powder, these glowing white embers just, just all around us as we ran to the car, jumped to the car. And as we, as we left, uh, the, the, all the trees above our head were exploding in flames and we just got out wow. ahead of the flames. And then we, uh, we went to a friend's house, spent the night there, moved off of that further away from the fire and the fire burned for another day. And about 5,000 homes were, were, were burned down wow. in our, our city during that particular wildfire in California. And so we suddenly found ourselves with nothing. Uh, a friend texted us pictures a couple of days later of the property. And we had our, uh, both our house was there. Our office building was there. We had outbuildings, warehouses, and everything was just ash. The house was just a ash on top of a pile of, on top of uh, the concrete foundations. The chimney was sticking out, but everything else was gone. And so we suddenly found ourselves with, with nothing. And uh, we had to learn to adapt. And again, there were just thousands, tens of thousands of traumatized people then who lost their homes that night. And so we then had a very challenging year of uh, finding places to live because the property market is very tight in California. And suddenly there were 5,000 homes gone and yeah. all those families with nothing, no place to go. So what to do, where to put them? It was difficult to find room for them all. We were staying with friends. We were staying in motels for a long time. And uh, we just faced a difficult year. And that was the start of our, our, our troubles because then with our, our business burn, our income ended. And we then had had all this financial turmoil. We went through all of our savings. We lost all of our savings. We then put our retirement funds into uh, trying to keep our business alive. And we lost all our retirement funds. We wound up having a huge financial crash. And then I had a huge physical crash. I had to have an operation. And so in the year after the fire, we'd lost all our possessions, all of our money. Our health wasn't doing too well. And I wrote a book that year because I meditated every morning. I meditated every morning. I tapped a lot. And I wrote the book, This Frame. I'd wake up in the morning. I'd tune in to the universe. And I'd write about how abundant and prosperous I felt. Now, you know, it looked crazy to be writing about prosperity because I had no money. I'd, I'd lost all my savings, all my retirement. I felt prosperous. I just felt healthy. I felt wealthy. I felt as though I had everything I needed because I had this core of love and compassion. People around us were wonderful. They stepped in. Our children took care of us. Uh, we have grandchildren as well. And so everyone was just there for us. And after a year, the business began to recover. Uh, we found a beautiful new house. We began to rebuild our lives. I wrote the book, This Brain. I got a, a very large advance from a publisher for, for the book. Um, and so it was one of those shattering events. And we applied tapping. We applied meditation. We got a lot of therapy and we came through. So I'm not just a theoretical neuroscientist telling you, I think this is a good idea because I read a study in a peer reviewed journal. The stuff really worked. I've had it. I've lived through it and it's amazing. And so what this does is it builds resilience. You are resilient. You live through a disaster and now you have the neuro, neural pathways of resilience in your brain. And even though bad things happen, like people say, aren't you worried about the pandemic? It's like, no, I lived through a fire and a financial crash and all kinds of other problems. 
And there's an economic downturn right now. I've seen them before. I'll see them again. So mm. it gives you that's resilience. And you want to have the ability to meet challenges. None of us have perfect lives. We will have health challenges. We will age. We will die. Our bodies will die. We may have many challenges, relationship challenges. All of us have had problems. If you have resilience, you have the ability to meet those problems. And if you have a habit of resilience, you build the neural pathways to where they're not just thoughts in your mind. They are literally neurons firing in your brain. In this brain, I have one little diagram of two neurons. And this is a diagram from a scanning electron microscope. And you see the dendrites and axons of these two uh, neurons as they start to fire together. And they're moving around a little bit. You see them move together as they fire together. And then they gradually start to touch and interlock. And then they like shake hands and they join. And that's how neurons that are firing together wire together. And that oh. whole sequence of events from here to here, I have a timer on that image from the electron microscope, 12 seconds to build a new neural pathway. And if you're building neural pathways in your life of anger and blame and resentment and shame and disordered negative thinking, you're building literal structure in your brain. But if you're building the pathways of love and joy and peace and contentment and compassion and generosity and ecstasy, that becomes the function of your brain. I give you exercises. And if you do these exercises for four weeks, your brain already is changing. The compassion parts of the brain start to get bigger. The monkey mind parts of the brain start to deactivate and you start to have a whole different life. It doesn't have to take 10,000 hours. You can do it in only four weeks. That's what the research shows. So that's really why I'm so passionate about sharing these practices because I've seen them now make a difference in the lives of tens of thousands of people. And you, you try this stuff, you pay attention, tune in every morning to meditation, and you'll find your life will change very, very quickly as well. Interesting. I, I love the part because this is what I found unique about you as well, Dawson, because I've interacted with a lot of people. I've seen people talk, but you are one of the unique individuals that has actually walked the talk. You know, you, you've gone through that scenario. You practice what you teach on yourself and then build your own business all over again, starting from the scratch, which is unique because it's easy to say, but when the time comes to actually implement that in your own life and then turn things around, that's a whole different story. That's where you actually know who's, who's actually the right ones and who are not. So that's what I, I really like when I, when I read your story and when I read your book, I was like, okay, Dawson seems his theories are interesting. And this is not just one book, right? Bliss, uh, uh, Bliss Brain. You have written multiple books as well. Mind to Matter. Yeah, my previous book called Mind to Matter. That's all about how your thoughts become your reality and about how your brain is that transceiver of information from those mm. universal information fields. Interesting. So uh, how can people reach out to you, uh, Dawson? My listeners who may like to know more about you, your work, what are some ways they can reach out to you? Well, several ways. One is that on my website, Dawson, my name, DawsonGit.com, we have an immunity meditation, and immunity is really important right now because of all the viruses and bacteria and other things in our, our environment. And in, in research I've done, we show that a week of sustained tapping and meditation will actually lower cortisol and boost your immune system. And so um, there's a meditation 
on DawsonGift.com, a free meditation that will help boost your immune system. In one study, we found that people doing an intensive week of this at retreat center for one week, their cortisol dropped 37% on average, and their immune antibodies rose by 113%. So huge nice. raise in yeah. immune antibodies. And these are, these are the antibodies that actually combat coronaviruses, uh, the cold immunoglobulins. So that's the one thing. Dawson Gift has that free meditation. And then also my book, This Brain. And you can get that at thisbrain.com. You can get it at a, at a local bookseller. Uh, that's Bliss Brain, just the, just the name of the book, Bliss Brain, BlissBrain.com or DawsonGift.com. Okay. Any social media handles? Uh, you, you there on Instagram, Facebook? Uh, Facebook and you'll, you'll find that as well through those two Perfect. sites. Perfect. Awesome. So, uh, Dawson, thank you so much for taking your time out and sharing your wisdom, your knowledge and all that you've learned with all my listeners. I'm sure it would benefit them in a, in a lot of ways. Anything else you'd like to communicate to my listeners before, before I let you go? Well, Irshad, I hope I've inspired them to meditate. And I hope yeah. I've inspired you to meditate. Yep. I actually do. So when I wake up, I actually do that uh, for, for five to seven cool. minutes. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's all it takes. It just takes a short while to orient yourself that way. And when you get stressed, do the tapping. Mm. And that's the main thing. And then again, that uh, meditation is the long-term lever for reframing your day tapping is the short-term thing you do whenever you're stressed so do those two things and again you'll see your whole life will start to shift awesome perfect thank you so much justin uh for for joining us on the podcast it's been a joy and a pleasure thank you this brings us to the end of this episode and hope you at least had one takeaway from this interview if you have any questions or want to talk to me personally you can find me at www.silavatirshad.com. See you soon.